Previously on the Adventure Zone, there are notes about the uh, beast folk. Uh, according to the notes, just like used to be animals over on Earth, and then as they sort of spent time in, in Sylvain in this alien world, quickly transformed into these new forms. Sylvain has become all. Those living on her surface would seek to shatter her body entirely in pursuit of their own survival. My name is Woodbridge, Minister of Preservation. I ensure the survival of our kind in the wake of your world's countless ruthless assaults. And the interpreter uh, turns back to face you and gives you a, a little bow, and she says, Yes, everything's okay. I just... God, she can't even pay attention for a moment, even in the presence of royalty. Your finger touches the cold, smooth stone as Minerva's blade cuts through the air. three quarters of one second, a veil is lifted. Minerva, the scion far from home, swings her blade through the air, and six gateways to another world are torn throughout the fabric of Kepler, West Virginia. The citizens manning the outposts around town prepare themselves for whatever lies beyond these rifts. But for three quarters of one second, Minerva finds herself uncharacteristically unprepared for what she sees through her portal. It is not Sylvain. What Minerva sees, and the rest of Kepler sees, albeit with slower minds, is light. And through the light, shapes, lights at different depths. A chamber, antiseptic and cold, illuminated from below by a pulsating, living dome of brilliant light. Illuminated from above by a helix of beams of light, stretching endlessly up a cylindrical chamber. It is a world, it is a room, that Minerva has seen before, just two short months ago, standing on top of the Green Bank telescope with her squire. And now, like then, pieces of a puzzle that she's been solving her entire life begin sliding slowly closer together. Literally and figuratively, the heroes of Kepler see the light. And through that portal, for three quarters of one second, they are seen in return. Minerva's Zweihander reaches the end of its arc and strikes the rocky ground below her feet. Like a television changing channels, the portal's destination shifts. And then, the town is overtaken by storm and fury. Thacker, your uh, ears adjust as if uh, they've, they've just popped uh, due to a, a very sudden pressure change in this central chamber of the FBI compound. Um, at least that's, that's where you, you know, think you still are. You are surrounded by dark gray fog 
which has seemingly consumed this room entirely. Uh, your, your vision is restricted to just like a foot in front of your face. And you hear the sound of fighting and of yelling in the distance. Uh, and it's almost just completely muffled. And you see no one. You can barely see your own hands. What do you do? I think he would call out and try to find the others. What do you call out? Hey, guys, gals, peoples, hello? Anybody there? It's it's me, Thacker. Thacker, Thacker. Uh, You hear your own voice muffled as if you're like trying to yell while you are underwater. And... It's, it's as you have that sensation of hearing your own voice being sort of drowned out by this cloud that you're standing in that you remember that this is not the first time that this has happened to you before. Uh, and you start to feel yourself, for whatever reason, getting very angry, getting very, very upset. What do you do? I think he's going to give in to it. I don't think he's... I think it's the quell because it did happen before the fog, yeah. And he and he passed out, but then he started having all these visions and and all those memories and all those emotions. And I, I think he might have fought it the first time. I think he's going to open himself up to it now that Holy. he kind of has a little bit more of a handle on his psychic stuff. <gasps> You're gonna try to okay. ride. You're gonna try to ride the wave instead of yeah, swimming against it. Yeah, this is extremely good. You're gonna ride the wave. We'll see what we'll see what ha- what comes of it. Uh, you you feel how you felt just uh, you know a few hours before when you were sitting by the river and uh, you were trying to establish that psychic link to find out where this thing is. But now it's like now it is more desperate. Now it's like. Now it's here, and you are here, and it's not just this intangible mental scanners thing. Like, it's it's in your lungs, uh, and you're trying to make the most of it. Why don't you, uh, hmm, I would say this is act under pressure, but it almost feels like a weird, like, it has to be a weird role of some sort, right? This is you trying to use your psychic stuff, which is, like, explicitly weird. So I think maybe it's, like, use magic or or some, um, uh, you know, amalgamation of that. Or maybe it's one of your abilities. I, I don't know uh, what all the Seeker has. Well, there's one thing the Searcher has called the things I've seen. Okay. When you, when you encounter a creature or phenomenon, you may declare that you have seen it before. Yeah. The Keeper may ask you some questions about that encounter. And will then tell you one useful fact you learned and one danger you need to watch out for. Maybe right now. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, you've definitely, definitely had this happen to you before. Um, a thing you remember, a fact that you will find useful. I think the thing that you will find useful is that you are susceptible to this stuff and you don't know if everybody else is, but this, this, this fog, this cloud is what makes people go berserk. Um, but that's not all that is in it. There are, uh, the, the, these, these visions that you saw, uh, just, just a few hours ago, these blood red entities that, uh, seem to be hiding in the fog and are, are probably going to be the, uh, the 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 first troops that come over during the invasion, and that I mean that that is also the danger. Uh, and I think thanks to that, you are able to see through this fog 
uh, more clearly, and you can see uh, some. Uh, you, you see one of these shapes, uh, and it is walking towards a couple silhouettes. You can't make out who they are, uh, but you see this blood red shape, almost uh, like centipede like, uh, but like the size of a uh, a Saint Bernard. Uh, moving towards two of, you know, the folks who were just in this room with you before Aubrey touched the archway. Um, do you do you want to, you know, do you still want to try and tap into the power, or is that the extent of like your psychic uh, event here? Uh, I'm, I I need to do something to help them. I need to warn them. I think I think Thacker would take off in a run. Okay, as fast as his old legs can carry him. In the direction of the two silhouettes, waving his arms and yelling at the top of his lungs, Centipede! Centipede! It's a great hey, battle cry. Centipede! Duck and Aubrey, uh-huh. you both are in this fog and you are close enough to each other. Uh, Duck was, was, you know, probably flanking you fairly close when you went up to touch the archway and so when this cloud arrived you all were you know in 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 arm's reach to each other and like like i said earlier like it's so it is so dense this cloud that you can barely see anything beyond just a foot but you can see the silhouette of the other person you can see duck's hat and you you know that he is there uh but you cannot see too much else you hear yelling uh, and it is so loud and so purposeful, and it is coming to your right, and it is seemingly a a drowned out voice yelling centipede. Oh my friend! Uh, I'm going to read a bad situation then. Okay. <laughs> Seems bad. <laughs> Seems accurate. I don't know that it's ever seemed more accurate than it does right now. Uh, why don't you? Uh, and that's plus what? Plus sharp. Yes. So that brings me up to eight. Okay, that is a mixed success. Uh, for a mixed success on Read a Bad Situation, you get to ask one question from the list. And we're in the finale now. I don't think we have to read the list every time. Man, it sure will be helpful, though, because I never remember what it is. <laughs> What's the best way in? What's the best way out? Are there dangers we haven't noticed? What's the biggest threat? What's most vulnerable to me? What's the best way to protect the victims? I'm going to go with what's the biggest threat. Uh, that's a tricky question. Uh, the biggest threat I is... didn't write it. You just read it out loud to me. That's fair. Uh, the biggest threat is this cloud. The biggest threat is this cloud because it is... Uh, you feel it trying to take hold of you, but mm-hmm. you find for whatever reason your willpower is not even, uh, you know, weak enough to be tested like that. Um, and, like, this is the Aubrey thing... specific? Like, uh, yeah, Aubrey specifically, like you, you feel like this thing has no, you have no power over me. Weird cloud full of centipedes. Um, and it is the transit system through which like the other horrors and nightmares that the Quell is capable of producing. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it is how they travel. It is how they get to where they are going to go. Um, now, yeah. I want you to know, I, I actually read a bad situation with ulterior motive to open up my third eye. Okay, you open up your third eye. What's that mean again? Uh, so when I uh, I take in extra information, take plus one hold on any result of seven or more, plus you can see invisible things. You can Ooh. see invisible things. Okay. Uh, yeah, you see this centipede. Uh, you can see it through the cloud. You, Aubrey, you just got like, 
cloud vision. Like you can see, you don't even see this cloud anymore. You just see the archway and you see Duck nearby kind of squinting his eyes and you see Thacker charging at you yelling centipede. Uh, You see behind some crates uh, near the the door into this room, uh, you see uh, Barclay and Mama and Agent Stern, and, you know, they're trying to look around for what's happening, too. uh, And you see the centipede right in front of you. Um, uh, Can can I tell that Aubrey is locked on? I mean, can I do I? Yeah, let's get Duck in the. Uh, Yeah, I think Aubrey says, like, Duck, look out. Giant centipede. Two o'clock. This okay, is, but- this is by the way, this is seconds after you just touched the archway. Uh, and you're not exactly sure if the, the plan has gone off without a hitch, but it, it, this, is lit- this is not like, you know, joining you in media res. This is you touch the archway and then boom, here we are. About a bing, about a boom. Yeah. Um, can I make out where the thing is? Like, can uh, I? Yeah, I would say, I would say with uh, Aubrey's help and it is so close to you now and maybe you just would have seen like a shadow and not known what to do with it, but Aubrey has like clearly outlined for you where it is and what it is and what it's, you know, what its intentions are. So, so yeah, you can see it. Its intention is to date my daughter. (laughs) So, uh, I remove Beacon and try to strike at where the center of the thing probably is. It's uh, okay. Thorax, I believe. Or is that the yeah, abdomen? Thank you, yes. Roll to kick some ass. Some thorax. Roll to kick some thorax. <laughs> Ooh, hey, that's a good natural 10. 10. Uh, plus. Oh. Uh, two. 12. You don't have that advanced move, did you? We never did those, really. <laughs> I mean, you take them on. You take them on level up. It's one of the things you can take on level up. By the way, you guys missed a lot of rolls last episode, and I have not been tracking your exp for you. And we are not going to have another chance to level up. So, just like if you got one, holler, and we'll have to do it sort of midstream here. I'm um, about halfway to one. Okay, uh, you may need to go back and do a, an inventory. Uh, between episodes. Why do that when the beloved listening public will do it for me? Did your <laughs> hero Duck Newton level up? Please you text Texas now at one nine nine nine. Tweet at me, but then, but first see if other people already did because you don't want to be a jag about it. Uh, um, okay, what is it? You as you like approach this thing with beacon drawn, you you can see its shape completely. How do you strike it, and then we'll choose your extra effect. I just say, uh, I don't know, fuck it, and then I swing it right down to where I think the middle probably is. Best of luck, partner. Uh, I don't know, bud. Just do the best in there, right? <laughs> Uh, okay, what is your extra effect? You gain I, the advantage, take plus one forward, or give plus one forward to another hunter. You inflict terrible harm, you suffer less harm, you force him where you want him. I'm gonna do plus one forward to Aubrey. I feel like a little extra oomph. I feel like we're gonna need a little a little extra sauce to uh, to put this thing down. Mm. Okay. Uh, yeah, all right. You, you bury Beacon into this thing's midsection, uh, and you hear it it, it it scream and as it screams like Thacker you feel like somebody just kicked you in the head it is a voice that you know and it's a voice that you know uh, for a time like came out of you and just hearing that having that like disassociation like like just it is it is it gives you a searing headache just for a second uh you see this thing writhe in pain on the floor uh and where you cut it you start to see it like fold backward on itself and new sort of uh the new legs start appearing from the wound trying to stand up uh 
you duck as it uh, as it makes these new legs. One of them is just like whipping around wildly, and it uh, catches you uh, across the face, and you take two harm. Okay, but you but you don't don't. But I don't. But you don't. You have a very strong face, so powerful and cool. Glances off your 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 iron like face. Old Uh, iron face. Damn it! It still hurt. God Uh, damn it! Uh, okay, Aubrey, you have plus one forward. Uh, Thacker, though, you were kind of next in the order. Do you want to try and do something else? I'm going to try to pin it to the ground with the spike in the walking staff. Uh, okay, you wipe off some of the dude blood from it as you draw your your walking staff. Uh, you're just going to sort of, you know, dragoon this thing, or what's up? Yeah, just kind of swing it over my head two-handedly and just whomp it right into the ground to hopefully pin it in place. Uh, okay. Uh, why don't you roll to kick some ass? That would be a nine. Plus tough. Zero. Oh, really? Uh, Duck, can you do anything to help him out? Uh, yeah, I could, with my with my attack, I could, you know, try to, I could say I stunned it a little bit, you know, not made it a little easier to hit. Yeah, I already have plus one forward from the third eye. Yeah, so yeah. So maybe take that move you know put it where you want it yeah so. i didn't realize he was next in the order i would have directed it at him so That's can i just fine. say i did that yeah sure you give plus okay. one forward to uh we'll, we'll retcon that you give plus one forward to thacker which brings it up to a 10 uh on a 10 plus you i'm guessing you force them where you want them right if you want to pin into the ground yeah i would think so down uh, being the direction i want them to go Okay, uh, same thing. This thing, uh, you jab hard into the ground. And again, like you're standing on the grass uh, surrounding the archway. So it is not difficult for you to get. It's tough for you to get through this thing's chitin or whatever it has. uh, And it is not hard for you to like pierce into the loam below. uh, And sure enough, you get this thing stuck into the ground. And then like a half second after you you pierce through this thing, these these tendrils whip up out of its back where you stab through uh, and just start like wrapping and tangling around your arms. And as you pull away, you feel this like horrible stinging sensation uh, and you take two harm. Except I really do. Except you really do. Okay, but uh, did it succeed in pinning it to the ground? Oh, yes, for sure. Uh, Aubrey, okay. what, what do you do next? I'm going to blast you, it you with fire. I'm going to kill you, it you, with fire, I think. Okay, what does this look like? Uh, Aubrey, two hand, you know, like full on blaster style. It's just like <laughs> gonna shoot some fire. Just at it. iron, iron manning it. Exactly. All right, roll and use magic. Uh, well, that's a six, and then I have minus one, right? Because I'm using magic, makes it a five. Plus, no, 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 no. No. It's it's just plus two is your magic. Your, well, your, sure. Your I was doing yeah. my math differently, but basically, okay. that brings it to an eight or to seven. What? Yes, eight, and then plus one forward a nine. Uh, and I will say that everything that uh, that that your buddy Thacker just did, pinning this thing, this immobile uh, centipede to the ground, mm. I, I think that handily brings it up to a. To a By the way, I'm guessing this is an oversized centipede, right? We're not like oh, yeah. all trying it's to hack size. up this. No, that's the weird thing. Worm. It's like one inch. It's so it's weird. One, that we're it's, a, out. it's a little guy. No, it's it is uh, Saint Bernard sized. Uh, okay, yeah, you right. you you have no problem just nuking this thing, uh, and as you do, it just turns into this bright red, just sort of gelatinous, not like, it's not like um, 
it's not like blood. It is way too bright and uh, like gooey for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see it just like splatter uh, across the floor inert. And when it falls, the uh, the storm in like a, a pretty good radius around it. So like most of this room just kind of gets pushed away, just gets kind of repulsed uh, away from where this thing fell. And when it does, it sort of reveals Agent Stern with the rifle out. And he like, you know, reacts with panic as suddenly you appear and there's this red like splotch on the ground and he says did you did you all so you all took care of it then you all yeah, that was it's dead, you all, it's dead. put okay. the gun down stern gun down please. He, low, he lowers it thank uh, you uh and and just past them you see janelle who is similarly like trying to get her bearings as you all appear and uh mama stands up and walks towards you and says was that was that it yeah quill's dead we did it i don't think that was the quail Damn. That, that was Lil Quell. I loved his latest album. <laughs> you see that red fluid now start scooting across the floor, just ah. sort of, uh, just just sort of, you know, rolling over itself, uh, trying to make its way back into the archway. Right. Uh, and Mama looks down at it and says, "Yeah, I don't think you actually did it. I don't think it's done." But I burned it with fire. I put a box on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> Make it go into a jar. Yeah, you can do that. There's a cr- there. Are, uh, we've established there are crates in this room. I you put grab a crate one of the on crates. Top of it. Yeah, you grab one of the crates not filled with plastic explosives and you just put it on top. And now the crate comically like is trying to scoot closer to the archway. And I sit Barclay, on top of the crate. <laughs> yeah, Bark- Barclay sits on. It. He's like, you, you have, you, you have places to go. I'll, I'll do the crate sitting. I'll fall on this grenade, everybody. I know it's heroic. We could just um, put a second crate on top of it, Barkley. Like you don't have to. No, no. This is my sacrifice to make. Don't you take this moment from me. <laughs> but there's like 100 crates in here. It's we beautiful. Can just our, own, our own fucking palm and pour them right here. Uh, Touching. How dare you? How dare you conjure that image? You know. Uh, you know. That's our second Final Fantasy. Final like, Fantasy tragedy reference in the finale arc, yes. Mama says, okay, well, I mean, we don't want to risk it. More stuff might be headed this way. And, um, you know, we got to. We got to have just another point of control here. So I guess me and Agent Stern and a very relaxed Barclay are going to take this point. Are y'all going to be okay on the other side? Well, I mean, we have no way of knowing that. I hope so. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's right up here. Tap an old noggin for you, for those of you listening on on, on something else. It's all up here <laughs> in the old noodle. I can get us there yep. in one piece. Don't you worry about it, sport. Yeah, we'll just all go with this guy we've known for three days. <laughs> it's going to be great. <laughs> Uh, Mama says it's all right. He's uh, he's with me. Okay. And uh, agent Agent Stern like walks over to the corner of the room and uh, comes back over to the three of you. And um, I think I think to Aubrey uh, because you know you are the person that he knows the most. You all lived together essentially for a year. Uh, he holds out this black case and it's open. And inside you see that uh, same kind of orange brick that he warned you all about earlier, the, the explosive Simtex. Uh, and it, it seems to be rigged up with some kind of like handheld uh, remote. And he closes it and hands it to you, Aubrey. And he says, just, just in case. Now, just in case, if you bring this back and you don't use it, I am going to have to take it back. Oh, but just in yeah. case you need... I feel some- weird holding it. This is uh, terrifying. This is terrifying. I mean, I mean, someone else can hold it if you need to. I mean, I'm I'm pretty tough. I can yeah. hold it if you need me hey, to. Hey, I listen, Stern. 
She's highly flammable. uh, Yes, I appreciate, but one of the three of us is known to spontaneously catch fire. So it's not great. I'm going to hand it to the adult duck and let him hold it. Thank you, though. Hey, thank you. This is going to prove very helpful, I bet. He says, yeah, um, you know, just in case. Oh, it is a, it is a, I, it it's is a case. A case. Uh, it's and one we of have my a trademark good 30 minute long laugh. You hear a like screaming. <laughs> the world ends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You hear a screaming like roar. Uh, several of them actually in the distance through the, the, the thick canvas of this facility uh, coming from far off in Kepler as other uh, other outposts sort of wage war against whatever's coming through. Uh, and Janelle says, we really should go, don't you think? It seems like maybe your friends are in danger. Hold the line, Mama. Uh, we'll be back in, in one piece, probably. Well, p- hopefully three pieces. Well, that would yeah. be rough. I meant individual. <laughs> okay, we go through the gate. The twice-locked door of the Kepler Sheriff's Station rattles and cracks against the weight of the bright red horde outside. Sheriff Zeke Owens, alongside Detective Megan and Deputy Dewey, catch glimpses of the terrors through cracks in the boarded-up windows. They number too many to reliably count, let alone take on in open combat. Everyone in the Sheriff's Station knows this. Nevertheless, their resolve does not falter. Detective Megan fills the chambers of two service revolvers, counting her ammo with care. Sheriff Zeke retrieves every box of shotgun shells from the station's safe and orders them in a neat pile. He pulls the ring of keys from his belt and slides open a cell door. He enters and kneels down beside its occupant. I'm sorry I haven't tried to be more here for you. I've, I've been trying to just, you know, give you some space. I, I was I was there. I know it was an accident, but uh, I I just assume that's probably not enough for for you to let yourself off the hook. Am I right, Pigeon? Pigeon is sitting on the floor, wrapped in a thick wool blanket. She nods. I, I, I can't pretend to know what that feels like, Pigeon. That guilt is going to ride you like a dog for the rest of your life, and I, I, I can't imagine the weight of that. But I, I do know loss, and I, I know what it can do to you. Make you feel like your life's not worth nothing, that all the, the joy and pleasure in the world has been locked away, not just not an option for someone like you anymore. I know that feeling, Pigeon, I I swear. Pigeon looks up from the floor, teary-eyed. Detective Megan enters her cell and hands her a cup of coffee. Now, normally you'd need to take yourself a a bunch of time before you can get yourself back up on your your feet again. I I get that, but uh, we don't really (laughs) got that kind of time. So, he leans down close. One day, believe it or not, You're going to laugh at a joke. You're going to go swimming, and you're going to smile in the sunlight. You're going to pet yourself a good dog, and it's going to make you feel happy. You ain't always going to feel like this, Pigeon. Other people, maybe, but but not you. And how do you get there? How do you get to that point? I don't know. But you are going to get there. 
and we're going to keep you safe, okay? Sheriff Zeke cocks his shotgun and nods at Detective Macon, who says, Hit it, Dewey. Dewey smiles and hovers to the front door, manifesting with all of his power, he undoes the locks and throws the door open. After y'all! Crimson beasts and clawed horrors clash through the open door, flooding into the station, charging the three humans at the rear of the room. Zeke leaps forward, grabs the bars of the jail cell door, and slams it shut, trapping himself, Megan, and Pigeon inside, and the beasts outside. They press against the bars, trying and failing to reach their prey. Pigeon climbs to her feet. Zeke aims his shotgun. Megan cocks her revolvers and shouts, Welcome to Chicago, dipshits! You, Thacker, and Aubrey, and Duck, with Janelle in tow, emerge through the archway and into the pavilion where this this arch is kept under watch by the city guard only. Nobody's here. And as you look around the town below you, you realize that that nobody is here in, in Sylvain at all. And the town hasn't been destroyed the the homes and the businesses and the temples and the restaurants like they're all still standing in relatively decent condition uh the like crystalline lamp posts that line the the main drag are still illuminated uh and the only sign that something is off is the absence of you know all all of the sylvans uh and the knee high layer of that dark cloud that is just everywhere it is all over the town within the walls borders uh, and it is just sort of like slowly shifting across the ground. Uh, and Janelle points in the distance and says, we are going to have to find a way over to the castle. Uh, and I, I don't know about getting back into that fog again. Um, anyone have any ideas? The main road is what gets us here. That's, that's the direction we have to go in. So are you suggesting we fly or... What? Can we I don't fly? know everybody's... I don't know yeah. if we can... I do not know if we can fly, uh, Fred. It's hey, pretty much Packer. a straight shot to the castle. It, Aubrey, you got any, um... You got any wind powers? I'll, yeah, sure. Uh, Aubrey, like, claps her hands in front of her, trying to make a big blast of wind to blow away the fog. See if that works. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just... I cannot see any reason why you would need to roll for this. You can generate... You can do magic... This is not a particularly difficult thing. Uh, how, like, what's it uh, look she, like? How she big? She definitely a- closes her eyes first. She, you know, this is the first time back in Sylvain since she touched the the stone. She closes her eyes. She says, uh, "Hi, magic. It's it's me again. It's Aubrey. Uh, we're trying to get past the fog uh, so we can stop the quell, which I assume you want to happen too. So if you could help me, I'm gonna blow away the fog." And then she like puts her hands out to her side and like makes a big clap in front of her. As your hands collide, you hear somebody respond to what you just said. You hear someone say, please, 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 please. I know I failed them. I know I'm a fraud. Please, if that's you, if you're there anywhere, please, please help me. Hi- Hello? Do I recognize the voice? Um, yeah. 
you recognize the voice because you've heard it before. You've heard it in your head before. It is Alexandra. It is the interpreter uh, who uh, you have met several times now. You've had some, you know, weird connections with. You've heard her voice in the past. You've experienced one of her memories in the past. Uh, you you hear her. You do not see her anywhere. But as you cast this spell uh, and dispel this wind all around you, you you hear her her desperate plea. Alexandra, can you hear me? There is no response to that, and honestly, it's probably kind of tough to uh, think about maintaining a conversation because of what happens when you cast this spell. Oh. The wind uh, displaces the, the, the fog in front of you uh, and, and pushes it away effortlessly, and like you know, Moses parting the Red Sea, you, you descend the stairs and watch as, uh, you know, for... 50 feet in front of you, the the fog parts revealing the road beneath. Um, And it also reveals something else. It reveals, um, uh, first you see like an arm coming out of the the fog, and then you see like a pair of legs coming out of the fog, and Uh then you see just like, uh, you realize there are bodies, mm. and they're not laying on the ground. They appear to be just sort of floating in the fog. You and hate to see that. You recognize that some of them, uh, some of them are like furry, and some of them are uh, uh, not. Some of them are just like uh, sylvan bodies that are sort of starting to emerge and falling to the ground where the the storm parts, and they start to move, and you start to see. Sylvans and beast folk alike uh, beginning to to move. You see shadows in the in the cloud uh, starting to move towards you and move towards where you've sort of parted the 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 storm here. Now, Griffin, this may be a silly question, but move in a normal, cool way? No. Ah, move in a a animalistic, uh, extremely like lethargic, like injured. Uh, but but sort of unnatural way, certainly. Yeah, that's what I. You know what? I could have assumed that, but I I okay. Yeah. Are they in? Are they between us and the road? Uh, you have this like area of the road, this like split in in the the cloud that Aubrey has opened up, where they are not. They seem to be like pushed into the cloud, but uh, they are starting to close that gap right right in front of it's you. It's time to run, folks. Let's fucking go. And Aubrey yeah. takes off. I think act under pressure. Everybody act under pressure plus one for uh, what Aubrey just did. But this, you know, making your way through this uh, obstacle course of arms and legs that are trying to approach you and grab onto you, I think is, it, I, I want to see who uh, who is, is dexterously moving through this. I rolled a seven plus zero, cool, plus one, so an eight. I rolled an 11 plus two, 13. Hell Yeah. Um, Thacker rolled a 10, but he has a trait called just another day. When you have to act under pressure due to a monster phenomenon or mystical effect, you may roll plus weird instead of plus cool. He has two plus weird. That takes it up to a 12. Adding the one takes it up to 13. (laughs) I mean, you won with the 10. You just wanted to brag about how good and high your number was. I know. He gets you so very rarely. Griffin, let him share this. Yeah. Uh, uh, Duck and Thacker, you you all take off. Like you all are are, are you know effortlessly leaping over these arms that are swinging out, trying to grab you, uh, and and you just cruise right on down Main Street, 
towards towards the the castle and the um you know the garden with the crystal in front of it uh and yeah you just have no problem doing that are you rolling for janelle uh aubrey you no i never roll uh aubrey you are similarly like pretty easily making your way through uh and janelle is like holding on to your hand you realize that she is actually having a little bit of trouble moving as quickly as you're able to. And so you're trying to pull her along and you see her get grabbed by a couple of the hands and uh, a couple more like grab onto her robes and try to start pulling her under the storm. Uh, That is the mixed success is that you are, you know, no, no issue moving through, but Janelle uh, appears to have been grabbed. Uh, I'm going to roll to kick some hands. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, so that's a a nine. Yep. Uh, but my tough is minus one, so it's an eight. Oh, so you are you are not using magic. You are just using. I'm kicking like, the hands that are grabbing her. Okay, describe what this looks like. Uh, so still holding her hands, keeping on her feet. Aubrey's just hauling back. Uh, with her, you know, with her strong right foot. I'm just kicking the hand, you know, kicking the hand that's grabbing the robe, as they say. <laughs> and I would say, I would say, with a thirteen, Thacker can certainly pay a point forward because he went over twelve. No, is that how that works? Like that. that's, no, that's not how it works at all. Okay. Uh, Aubrey, Aubrey, you you all look back and see Aubrey just start skanking it in the, in the middle <laughs> of this crowd, and uh, you you hear crunching and pummeling below your feet, Aubrey. Uh, but one of these hands like grabs onto you, mm-hmm. and you feel like this sick, like right at your calf, and you feel this like sickening kind of uh, feeling just starting to course through you a little bit before you kick that shit away too. Uh, you take one harm, ignore armor. Okay. Uh, and you, with that though, you manage to free Janelle and the uh, two of you catch up with uh, Duck and Thacker and the, uh, the you, you managed to clear this barricade that somebody had built up in front of this, this garden here. Uh, and you managed to make your way out of the storm and into the, uh, the crystal garden, uh, just below the steps of the palace. What do we see? And did we leave a slipper on the steps of the palace? You unfortunately did not. You see a few things as you actually like approach the palace, as you're like, uh, you know, running down the main drag, you see, uh, down some alleyways. And then once you like get clear of the city towards the palace, you see like parks in the distance and uh, hillsides in the distance in, in different parts of the town. You see Minerva's rifts open all over the uh, all over uh, Sylvain city here. Uh, and they are like too narrow for you to see what is going on on the other side. But you see like frantic activity around each one as the quell sort of uh, pushes its invasion through those different points. Um but as you make your way past the barricade and into the, the garden here, you see, obviously, you see the crystal, and um, it is just, it is barely illuminated now. It is this, like, faint, dark, fading orange. And uh, up the stairs in front of you, you see the castle. Uh, it's, it's got these huge, massive doors uh, that are shut tight. Uh, and you can see some armor with some figures in the armor uh, laying on the ground in front of uh, the, those doors with their, uh, you know, their jagged spears and pieces of, of armaments scattered around the entryway. Uh, that is what you see. Should I read a bad situation? <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah, I feel like it, it's all bad situations from here to the 
finish line. It's a seven plus two or nine. Uh, anybody want to help out? Uh, yeah. So then I guess I will also, would, would I also roll? You'd roll to help out and describe like what you're doing to help him read a bad situation. How would you invent? I hold my hands up in front of his eyes like two binoculars. I'm like, does that help? What are you doing to look around the scene for dangers? Uh, I'm going to attempt to open that their third eye. So obviously like closing her two eyes, the normal two eyes, you know, the ones. Okay. Okay. You're shooting sonar out, essentially. Roll to help out. Uh, I rolled an eight. Uh, okay, your help grants them oh, plus I had one to their roll. seven plus one, eight, yes. Right. Uh, you grant them plus one to their roll, but you expose yourself to trouble or danger. I mean, that happens. Uh, you know, anytime you open your third eye, you're opening yourself yeah. to some psychic danger. Uh, sure, that bumps you up to a 10. Duck, what are your three questions that you get to ask? What's my best way in? You see... Uh, just to the right of those massive double doors, there is a stone circle built into the uh, into the wall. And in the center of that stone circle is like a vertical slit. Uh, and it it looks like a sort of medieval, uh, you know, padlock situation. Uh, you figure that that is probably the mechanism to open the gate. And I think that actually uh, Janelle is up there investigating it also and like sort of checking her robes. Uh, and she turns to you and she says that I, I don't, I don't have my key. I didn't think that I would be gone this long and that they would shut anyone out. The, the, the only ones with a key are the head of the palace guard and, uh, maybe the interpreter. Uh, that is what you get from that question. Are there any dangers we haven't noticed? Uh, there are. Cool. Uh, end of question. Da- no. I mean, that's, that's lit. Asked and answered. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, there is a danger that you have not noticed. You see uh, some of that armor that is laying uh, in front of the doorway into the palace. You see it start to move, and it is the biggest form that was laying on the ground here. Uh, and you see it start to to shamble and pick itself up, uh, up to its feet. That's a danger you didn't notice. Okay. Now, if I were to say what's the biggest threat to me, is that going to be the reanimated armor? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to burn that one. <laughs> okay. Uh, I want to take advantage of that. The fact that I'm noticing it kind of like all, already uh, reforming. Is there a... Um, there's someone inside there, of it. Oh, there's somebody inside. It's like getting back up, right? Yes. Uh, and it starts to trudge towards Janelle as she's investigating the lock. I'm going to whip Beacon around its leg to try to knock it off balance while it's sort of getting its bearings. Uh, okay, I think it is not in a position to attack you right now. It has one of these. Uh, it, its spear is even bigger than the uh, than, than the other ones that are laying around, and it's got this like uh, you know jagged edge to it. It's almost more like a like a uh, like a pike or something like that. Um, it did some dark soul shit. I do not think that this is a kick some ass then. So I think it's it is uh, act under pressure. Probably act under pressure. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Nine plus two. These are those finale roles. You yeah, do the thing that, that you set out that to we do. Cry. I yeah, I I pull Beacon out and uh, whip it on its leg, and Beacon says, "Have a nice trip." Oh. And then I pull, and he falls over, and Beacon says, "Eat my whole ass." <laughs> <laughs> and that uh, would be like the pommel, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this thing starts to jab its huge spear in an unaware Janelle's direction, but you, like, without even thinking, whip 
uh, beacon around his leg and knock it down, and it misses, uh, and its spear clatters to the ground and kind of slides past Janelle, and it misses its assault, and it starts to stand up again, uh, this time angrier than before, and it turns to see who attacked it, and now, Duck, you can see who it is. You see horns on its head poking through a large plate helmet and you see familiar eyes that have gone blackened and you know hollow and he stands to his full height just this massive imposing height wearing this bulky plate armor and glowers down at you and it is Vincent the minister of defense and uh, friendly goat man who you have encountered in Skyfall Fucking damn it. Can Thacker take a move? Yeah. Yeah, Thacker, go ahead. You sound confident, and I love it. I am. Cosmic insight. Okay. You have enc- Again, he has encompassed the soul of the universe. Yes. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. Psychic event. I'm looking at the wrong thing. Psychic he, event. He has not encompassed to anything. Use, to use his sensitive powers, opening his brain to the psychic environment. And in this case, well, I'll just roll. I'll just okay. roll. Yeah. Oh, yes. crap. Well, it's a, it's a nine. Um, plus weird, right? Plus weird, which is two. That's an 11. Okay. Uh, Why were you it, crapping? Well, because I wanted to get one through six, because one through six, a bad roll, may, you make contact with something dangerous, and I was thinking maybe it would... Oh, bud, trust. If you had gotten a one through six, the t- making contact with something dangerous would have fucked you right up. That's not a good thing. That's a bad. That's the that's the not ideal result of this scenario. Okay, well, in this case, he gets a definite impression, a vision, a tangible aura, an overheard thought, something from Vincent. Uh, okay. Time stands still. The scene around you uh is like you're seeing it through this um this this bright red filter. Uh, and you look around and you can move a little bit, but everybody else is kind of in position. You see Duck with uh, his sword uh, drawn, and you see Janelle starting to like fall backwards away from, from Vincent, uh, and you, you see Aubrey with her third eye open, uh, but you can move a little bit, and right where Vincent is, you, you just see this like blinking red light that is in his form and it is, you know, roughly humanoid, uh, occupying the space of his body, uh, but this this light turned towards you and speaks to you in a familiar voice and it says Are, Are you, you coming, coming to, to me? me? Yes. I'm, I'm coming and I'm bringing some friends. What, what is, is it that, that you hope to, to accomplish? Peace. I'm looking for peace. The time for peace has long passed. You, you should, should know, know that, Thacker. Both of our worlds are blind. blind. It's, it's time, time for us to begin anew. Then I... I guess I'm... coming for war, then, I suppose. If that's the only option I got left. So, so be it. it. And... That filter, that red filter, is just gone, and now you you see time catch up to you, and your head, Thacker, is just you fall to your knees. Your head is just is just splitting, uh, and 
you hear this loud clanging noise. And when you look up, you see that Vincent has fallen to the ground. And this time he is just breathing. Uh, and you can actually tell that whatever influence he had on it, the Quell's influence, the, the same thing that took you over, it's gone now. It has retreated away from, from Vincent, who makes his way up to his knees and shakes his head off. And you, you probably feel a sympathy for him, knowing like how shitty he probably feels right now, this, this Quell hangover. Um, but he recovers, and it, the first thing he does is look up at you. He locks eyes with you, Thacker, and he says, Hello, what, what was that? Uh, well... My friend, that is, uh, that was, that was the quell, and it did, it kind of gets in your head and makes you act all goofy, uh, but I gotta tell you, you know, I, as far as I can tell, you didn't do anything wrong, of course, I've only been here about 90 seconds. Yeah, he, he, as he stands up and picks up his spear, he looks around at some of the felled guards, and he just shakes his head and just, just looks completely... Just has this vacant, distant look on his face, and well, it, it wasn't you though. It wasn't you. You it, it, listen. It came on me, and I was like crawling around on ceilings, and I was wiping people out. And it ain't your fault. You you didn't do it. Don't feel bad. Here, partner. I I hand him the uh, slim gem that Leo gave me. Why don't you try snapping into this? Uh, it always helps me clear my head. He it, this whole time he has been like trying to process everything, and it is taking him so much longer than it normally would. Uh, and he looks down at this bright yellow, long, shitty-looking package uh, with a long, nasty-looking beef stick inside of it. And he looks at you this curiously. Week we're sponsored by Slim Jim. <laughs> he looks at this big, shitty, awful uh, idiot snack. And <laughs> you are really kissing this endorsement goodbye. <laughs> and for for just like a second, you can tell that he's not thinking about what just happened. He's not thinking about like you have interrupted this downward spiral that he was going through uh, and reminding him of just sort of all of the little pleasures of of Earth that you all have have brought him all of these just sort of. Uh, mindless, fun distractions, and he looks up at you and just seems to kind of shake it off, and he tears the package open and takes just like an enormous goat bite out of it, and he says, are you all here? Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Use as directed. That is exactly, absolutely right. That's how we do it on Earth. That is bracing. It's the fucking, it's the fucking cumin. (laughs) Cumin will get you every time, bud. He, now he looks around and like instantly puts together, okay, things have fallen apart. The gates are closed. You all are here. There has to be a reason for it. He hobbles over to the lock and jams his spear in it, which he twists and the doors uh, part open. Uh, just narrow enough for all of you to slip inside. As we head inside, Aubrey closes her eyes again. You know, following Chanel, closes her eyes again. Alexandra, um, if you if you can hear us, we're we're on our way to help. You don't hear any response, but you have that third eye open, right, to help him out. 
Yes. Exposing you to danger. Yeah. Right. Everybody else has gone inside. You're the last one to slip through the door. And as you do, just in your periphery, just just for like a blip, like uh, if you did not have your, your third eye open, like you obviously would have missed it. It's like a single frame spliced into a film. You see hovering in the air, 20 feet away in the distance, uh, you see five of those four-armed beings made out of light just kind of hovering in the air and just kind of observing. And then in a blink, they're gone. And the doors creak shut behind you. Hey everybody, thanks for listening to the Adventure Zone. This is Griffin. Uh, I've already messed this up, but you know who I am and what I do. Thanks for listening. Uh, this is episode 34, and I hope you like it, and we're just a few episodes out from the end of Amnesty now, getting all uh, sentimental, and thank you all so much for all your kind words, all your support throughout this whole uh, season. It has meant the world to us. Uh, real excited for what's coming up next, and we'll be able to talk more about that really soon. But before that happens, I'm going to tell you about a couple of our sponsors. We have an aura frame here at our house, and we primarily use it to show pictures of our kids and the fun stuff that we do. And my favorite thing about it is that it's so easy to upload pictures on that as soon as we get home from doing something fun, we just immediately put the pictures up there so we don't forget to do it. You know, because I, I've tried, we try to do picture frames and stuff in the past, and then we never remember to put them on. But with Aura, it's so easy to load it up that it has become kind of a, a digital scrapbook more than anything else. So if you have been looking to get the pictures that are trapped in your phone and set them free in a way that other people can see them, might I recommend Aura Frames. They're stylish, they're easy to use, you're gonna love it. And it was named the number one digital picture frame by Wirecutter, and for a good reason. It's so easy to set up, and they have different frame options, all kinds. And the best part is it comes with unlimited storage. So right now you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frames with code ADVENTURE. That's A-U-R-A frames.com promo code ADVENTURE. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it's me, the internet's Travis McRoy. Yes, that's right. Powerful influencer, Travis McRoy. You know, people are always asking me, Travis... How did you become such a powerful influencer in the world? Well, I'll let you in on my secret. It's Squarespace. Yes, that's right. Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything. Your products, content you create, or even your time. What? What influencer doesn't do that? I ask you. I'll wait. That's right. None of them. They all do that, and you can do it with Squarespace. Okay, here's uh, just as an aside. You can also use Squarespace even if you're uh, not an influencer, um, and even if the idea of being an influencer uh, makes you throw up a little bit in your mouth, don't worry, Squarespace is still useful. With Fluid Engine, a next-generation website design system from Squarespace, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. With Fluid Engine, a next-generation website design system from Squarespace, it's never been easier 
for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. Start with the best-in-class website template and customize every design detail with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. With Squarespace scheduling, clients can quickly view your availability and book their own reservations, appointments, or classes, and you can sell products on an online store. Whether you sell physical or digital products, Squarespace has the tools for you. So go to squarespace.com adventure for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use offer code ADVENTURE to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Chicago! We're coming to you. We're coming for you. We're coming at you. And we're also coming to C2E2. And we're doing live shows. All a bunch of stuff in April. April 24th, we're going to be doing My Brother, My Brother and Me, which is nearly sold out. And Taz, which is selling out fast. So do not wait. April 25th is Taz. April 24th is My Brother, My Brother and Me. April 26th through the 28th, we're doing C2E2. Schedule to be announced. You can get your C2E2 badges now, but you do not need a badge to attend the live shows. Tickets for those shows are on sale at bit.ly slash Tours. All the information is there. Go check it out. Also, we've got a newsletter in case you've been wondering what's the best way to keep up with our new tour dates and announcements and stuff like that, go to bit.ly slash newsletter. And of course, check out all of the merch over at macroymerch.com. A lot of great stuff. Fungalore sticker pack, um, naming of the year poster. Uh, we've got the little Sailor Man pin and 10% of all proceeds this month go to the Foundation for Black Women's Wellness. So go check it out, macroymerch.com. And now back to the show. Thank you to everybody who's been tweeting about the uh, the show using the the Zonecast hashtag. Uh, probably probably no well definitely no more new characters I would say because uh, we're just uh, a couple episodes out from the the true finale. But uh, it it still means a lot for you spreading the word as we move into the ending here of Amnesty. People have been really uh, sing, singing the the show's praises to to their friends and getting them listening, and that is uh, how we've been able to grow and have the audience and all the great opportunities that we we have today. And we are so grateful. Thank you also to Maximum Fun for having us on the network. Go to MaximumFun.org. Check out all the great shows there. If you like this show, I bet you're really going to like Mission to Zix. It's an improvised comedy, like sci-fi space opera uh, that is just a hoot. Join the network, uh, I think, just earlier this year. And, uh, yeah, that's the that's the Max Fun rec for today. Uh, and, yeah, we got new merch. If you go to Macroy.family, you can find out all of our news and garbage and stuff. But we got new merch, including a, an Adventure Zone fanny pack that uh, I, I can't believe we got to make. And I'm very, very excited. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably gonna do it. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm filled with gratitude today for everything, your support for, for the show, for the graphic novel, uh, for, for all of it. It means the world. You all have changed our lives. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So next episode, delayed one week. It's gonna be up September 12th. And then the final episode, I think, is gonna be up September 19th. It's definitely going to be up September 19th. I think it's going to be the final episode. Anyway, that's it. Uh, Get back to the episode, and uh, I'll talk to you later. The fluorescent overhead lighting of the St. Francis Medical Center Annex flicker as the monstrous entity gains entry. Slinking around cubicle corners and through emptied meeting rooms, this beast, an eight-foot-long, six-legged, bright red Komodo dragon stalks the living prey it senses in this building. A trash can topples over in an adjacent room and the lizard roars, exposing its crooked, razor-sharp teeth. It charges in the direction of the sound. It finds Muffy, wounded and bleeding, her back against the far wall of a meeting room, her eyes closed, pleading for help. The beast charges, 
smashing through the doorframe into the room, toppling tables and chairs in its furious assault. Its mouth opens wide as it makes contact with a wall. It slumps to the ground, dazed for a moment. It sees its own shadow on the wall and turns to find a projector shining down onto the screen it just ran. Muffy's voice comes from the shadows. Honestly, dear, that's bush league hunting. She emerges into the light, string drawn on an ornate longbow. Two other figures wearing robes flank her with crossbows in hand. They fire a volley at the Komodo dragon as it charges in their direction, sticking bolts and arrows all around its face and body. The beast prepares to leap and finish its assault when something lands on its back, dropping it to the floor. A ceremonial dagger pierces its head. And then whatever was binding its form together loses its sway and the beast disintegrates into a gelatinous bright red puddle. Winthrop lifts himself up and out of the creature's remains, looks down, and recoils in horror. My Louboutins! The castle doors shut behind you, uh, and you actually see a couple of guards that have their backs up against the door, like pushing it shut. Uh, one of them is this fearsome-looking bulldog creature uh, wearing this studded armor. The other one you've actually seen before, it's a, it's a, uh, a squirrel that you've seen a few times that used to guard the archway, uh, but it's here now and has this bandage over uh, over his left eye. Um, and it is, it's fairly ramshackle here in the, in the foyer of the castle. There is a small fire uh, in the center of the room, and there are a handful of sylvans sitting around it with just uh, vacant expressions. Uh, their their energy is clearly flagging. You you uh, get the impression that they probably haven't siphoned anything off of the crystal uh, for for quite some time now. Uh, and there are a few folks all all around the room uh, who are in a, a similar state. Uh, there are a couple of specters too, who are like have they're almost invisible. They they are only barely opaque, uh, and one of them actually makes makes his way over to you, and you you can't really make out who it is because his, his form is so blurred. Um, but his voice says, uh, "Pine God, have you come to deliver us in our hour of need? You're uh, a little late." Uh, and now you recognize this this person as Woodbridge, who is the minister of uh, preservation here, whose uh, whose form is just not really visible, and uh, you can't see that sort of smarmy, shitty face that was so mean to you the the first time that you made your way here. Hey, what happened to you? Ah, uh, look around you. It was Goose, right, or was it uh, Duck? Yeah, it's a nickname. Quail. Uh, well, uh, the same thing that's happening to everybody else, Duck. We're dying. We're all, we are all dying or dead, isn't that? And then he looks and sees that Vincent is with you, uh, and that Janelle is with you, and he stops and, like, shakes his head and says, You're back? You're back? You're, you, people can come back? Yeah, I mean, I don't know about, yeah, I don't know, um... Yeah, I'm sorry about the holdup, by the way. Had a few other things to attend to, you know, Earthside. So I am sorry about that. 
Woodbridge then turns over to Janelle and says, And our wayward minister of the arcane has returned. I, I take it your mission was not a success. Uh, and Janelle kind of looks down at the ground. She looks uh, like she feels really guilty. Hey, my dude, uh, I'm sorry that you're like fading away or whatever the fuck, but quit being a piece of shit. Like, we're here now, and we're trying to help, and she was doing her best, so get off her nuts, all right? Ah, yes, I understand. It was her idea, you know. To oh my god, I'm over. going to melt you into a puddle in the ground. Like, everybody's clearly going through some shit. Do you th really think this is the time? I don't see that we have any... And Janelle just, like, holds her hand out, and he goes, like, flying across the room, and... Uh, uh, runs into a, a, a big uh, crystal chandelier in the ceiling, yes. which he kind of bounces off of. Thank you. And Janelle says, I've wanted to do that for a long time. <laughs> yes, he is a piece of shit. Uh, and he sheepishly like sinks back down to the floor and makes a, a real uh, shitty glare over at Janelle and uh, wanders closer to the fire. Uh, and then you, you all hear footsteps rushing toward you from the royal chambers, and you see... Uh, the interpreter, who Aubrey, you've seen a few times during your lessons now, and uh, Duck, you you haven't seen since you were first introduced to uh, Sylvain, you know, almost a year ago now. She looks like you saw her the first time. She's a, a, a young girl, only now her, her cheeks are like fairly uh, sunken, and she has tears in her eyes, and she just leaps at Janelle uh, and just clutches her legs and Janelle is similarly like kind of teary-eyed and she says I'm I'm so sorry dear I'm so sorry I I I won't leave you again uh as as you all are kind of uh witnessing this this reunion uh Vincent turns to you duck and he says have you been um have you been beefing up you look uh, I I know I haven't seen you in a while you look great that's cool as hell you thank you yeah i've been training with uh some more chosen ones Back, uh, back Earthside, been trying to work on my delts and my glutes and my pecs and everything. Thank you for noticing. A lot of people just let that pass by. I appreciate I it. Said, oh, it's a I said it's you a uniform. look good, Duck, okay? I said it. Uh, when we get through all this, we should do some sparring. What do you say? Just, just uh, you know, just two bros working it out. <clears throat> yeah, I'm going to take a pass right now because you're all jacked up on Slim Jim energy. <laughs> we, call that, we call that meat meth. And I don't need I don't need to battle somebody in that condition. All that fucking sodium goes right to your your muscles. Uh, Aubrey, as this is Aubrey, Aubrey's gonna make her way over to Alexandra. Uh, okay. She needs to have words. Sure, sure. I. Uh, you walk over to her, and she is still holding on to Janelle, and her face is just like buried in Janelle's robes, and. Uh, you hear the interpreter's voice say, thank you, Aubrey, thank you, Aubrey, thank you. I hear her voice, or I hear her say it. You hear her voice. Okay, Aubrey tries to think, you're welcome, Alexandra. Mm, nothing happens. Damn it. Hey, Alexandra, can I talk to you for a minute? She pulls her face away from, from Janelle's robes, and she says, Aubrey, what, what is it? Uh, yeah, Janelle, you can, you can chat, too. You're probably going to be, uh, hey, um, so Janelle and Alexandra, I can, uh, hear Alexandra's thoughts, and I can't really, so I was trying to talk to the lady who lives in the magic, you know, and, uh, instead, 
I heard Alexandra, and Alexandra, you said something about maybe having deceived some people, and maybe having messed up a little bit. She goes, why does it ghost? Why does it she? Yeah, that's what I thought. So we need to have some words, the three of us. Janelle looks at her and looks at you and says, you heard her thoughts, Aubrey? Yeah, I was trying to talk to the lady who lives in the magic. She looks back at both of you just with a rare look of puzzlement on her face. Uh, Thacker, what are you doing while, uh, while, while all these conversations are happening? Well, I mean, the only thing in here are the, the denizens of, of Sylvain, right? right? Yeah. Maybe he's really investigating them and, and checking out to see if, I mean, how many, uh, have you given us a count as to how many people are, I mean, how many creatures are in there with us? Uh, maybe, you know, a little over uh, a dozen or so. Not like, you know, not the entire city. Actually, a very, very small number of people have, have made it in here into the castle. Um, so I think I think he's kind of walking through the crowd and kind of looking at them, kind of uh, checking them out, you know, just in case there's, you know, a, a quizzling in the brush, as okay. they say. Uh I, I don't even think you need to investigate a mystery. I think this is your, uh, what, whatever it is, the thing where you know this, you know this shit. Uh, I would not make you roll for this because you are the Earth's, like, preeminent Sylvain scholar, uh, and, and you have seen Sylvans before, and you have read about Sylvans when they start to go hollow like this, when they start to lose their connection to, uh, Sylvain. Uh, so, like, you know what this looks like, and what you notice is that Woodbridge has started to, like, come back a little bit. Like, Wood- Woodbridge is now a little bit more tangible, a little bit more visible uh, of a specter than than he was just, you know, right when you came in. And this group that was sitting around the fire just kind of looking kind of vacant, they're actually, like, having a, like, a, you know, inspiring conversation with each other, a, a, a hang-in-there talk with each other. Uh, you notice that, like, Everyone in this room, actually, it seems to be, you know, gearing up for battle, seems to be getting getting their gumption back. Looking around the room, Janelle obviously notices that, too, uh, and you see her, Aubrey, clasp her hands over her mouth, and she looks at Duck, and she looks at Thacker, and she looks at you, and she says, I know how to stop the quell. We... we Okay. We need to go right now. I, w- I will explain on the way. And she takes off running towards the royal chamber, towards an, an, an open door at the back of the room. Uh, Aubrey grabs Alexandra's hand and says, we're not done talking. Come on. And pulls her along with her. Okay. I just follow along. Okay. I mean, I yeah, fuck it. Yes. Uh, and I think Thacker leaves a little bit more slowly and really given the last scrutiny to the to the room left behind. As you leave the room behind, it this this thing that you notice, it's even more prominent. Now like the people around the fire are like standing up and starting to like pump each other up. Woodbridge is just like, you know, still still a specter, but like his form has come back and you see him actually like looking at his hands, realizing what has happened. Everybody seems to be like re-energized. Uh and it continues even as we're leaving. Uh as you leave, you notice that everybody is just sort of like everybody's just kind of better. And you follow along behind.
The ward around the Cryptonomica is broken by the swarm of quell terrors. One of Janelle's retinue faints from exhaustion. Kirby leaps to catch her. Indrid removes his glasses and begins clicking his mandibles and stretching his long, chitin-covered arms and legs. Moira closes her eyes, and the more ballistically deadly objects in the room begin floating in an orbit around her. A window smashes upstairs. Danny turns, slipping off a ring as she sprints to the second floor. She kicks open the door to Billy's old room, fully transformed, and sees a bright red winged gargoyle finding its footing after smashing in from outside. She bares her fangs, rears back her claws, and leaps toward it. The front door into the building topples over. Moira hurls a salvo of staplers, stones, and books in the direction of the horde. With a flap of his wings, Indrid is on one of them, repeatedly smashing it into the wall and ceiling. Kirby stands his ground against a charging red bear, but is thrown like a ragdoll across the room and over Ned's old desk. He climbs to his feet as the bear prepares another assault, and then... Kirby hears a chorus of battle cries from outside. There are dozens of folks, young and old, all charging the horde. They emerge into the moonlight, and Kirby notices their uniforms. No, not uniforms, their merch. Shirts, hats, jackets, pins, stickers, all read, Saturday Night Dead. Kirby grins. He leans down, retrieves a brass-tipped walking stick from below the desk, and pounces. Upstairs, Danny lands the killing blow on her enemy, but her fury has given her tunnel vision. A blood-red cobra slithers into the room, cautiously approaching the unaware Sylvan. The cobra strikes and is intercepted, snatched out of the air by a small, furry, white paw. The snake's head is twisted violently. It spasms, and two short, furry, white arms slam its body into the ground with a decisive thunk. Danny hears the impact and turns. Dr. Harris Bonkers stands before her on two hind legs, three feet tall, the dying snake held, held in one of his anthropomorphized paws. His face is a mask of amazement, like Danny's, who says, Huh. And you you all go into this antechamber beyond the, the royal chambers and... Uh, and once all of you are standing on the symbol with uh, Alexandra and Vincent and Janelle, uh, she she places her hand on the ground and it lights up and this elevator starts to descend and it drops below the castle and it is suspended on these four thin rails uh, and you have an almost uninterrupted view of the chasm below the city. Aubrey, you've seen it before, but the the scope of it, Thacker and and Duck, is just breathtaking. It is just this enormous earthen void um, with a... It's got a viewing platform that the elevator, the bottom of the elevator docks into uh, that seems to stretch partway around this this chamber's circumference. And at the center of all of it is the crystal, the the rest of it, what's attached to the 
uh, comparatively humble uh, peak right in, in front of the castle. This is the iceberg below the water. Uh, and like what you saw above ground, the light is almost like completely extinguished. Uh, right now, actually, the only light is coming from below. There is searing red light that is flashing from the endless void down below the viewing platform, and it is dramatically illuminating everyone and everything every several seconds, uh, joined by a deep, labored breath. But Janelle doesn't seem to care about any of that. She is staring at you, Aubrey, and her mouth is hanging slightly ajar. What? Hey, what's up? Do I got a booger? <laughs> she grins for like a second and then goes back to that, that, that slightly vacant expression. And she looks at all of you and she says, Did you notice? Woodbridge and the others? They're getting stronger. She takes a beat and she looks back at you, Aubrey, and she says, Do you know? Do I know what? She grins again and takes a step back and she says, You can hear the interpreter's heartfelt, pure, unspoken pleas. You can nourish our people and sustain their vital energies just by being near them. Uh Uh-huh. You have powers beyond anything I've ever seen, Aubrey. You can break the Quell's corruption. You've restored life to the dead. Aubrey, you're not from Sylvain. You are Sylvain. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. I'm Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. And together we host a podcast called Still Buffering, where we answer questions like Why should I not fall asleep first at a slumber party? How do I be fleet? Is it okay to break up with someone using emojis? And sometimes we talk about birds. No, we don't. Nope. (laughs) Find out the answers to these important questions and many more on Still Buffering, a sister's guide to teens through the ages. I am a teenager. And and I I was two. Butts, 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 butts. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my favor. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my friend's favor. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my favor. I'm Judge John Hodgman. You're hearing the voices of real litigants, real people who have submitted disputes to my internet court at the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I hear their cases, I ask them questions, they're good ones, and then I tell them who's right and who's wrong. Thanks to Judge John Hodgman's ruling, 
my dad has been forced to retire one of the worst dad jokes of all time. Instead of cutting his own hair with a Flowbee, my husband has his hair cut professionally. I have to join a community theater group. And my wife has stopped bringing home wild animals. It's the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Find it every Wednesday at MaximumFun.org or wherever you download podcasts. Thanks, Judge John Hodgman.